Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Today's guest on The Business of You is none other than Syed Balki. Syed is the founder and CEO of an awesome company called Awesome Motive. Awesome Motive is a portfolio of software companies used by over 19 million websites, serving billions of impressions every month. If you have heard of WordPress plugins like MemberPress, Easy Digital Download, Optin Monster, or WP Beginner, among others, then you are using one of Syed's incredible tools to boost your WordPress website performance. Syed has an incredible story. He was an entrepreneur from a very young age. And today, not only is he a father and a husband, but he's also a philanthropist and an investor. I hope you enjoy this episode of The Business of You. Good morning, Syed. So nice to have you on the podcast today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So really eager to dive into your backstory. Um, You were born in Karachi, Pakistan, right? Yes, absolutely. And came to this country right around the age of 12, was it? It was. It was. I was was about like 12 and a half, maybe. Okay. Uh, But yeah, it was right right around around that age. Uh, My parents moved here. It was 2003? 2003, it was. Okay. And where did your family move to when they first came to the U.S.? We moved to uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, and um, I live maybe 15 minutes away from where my parents first moved to U.S., um, and they chose this place because I had we had some other family that were already here, okay. and the weather was pretty similar to Karachi. Well, it was a good, a good landing ground, no doubt. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your, your early journey. You were very entrepreneurial at a young age, right? I think I, I read as well that you... Did you were a college dropout? Um, no, I, 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 I did finish my college uh, okay. degree. I, I don't think it's allowed to drop out in, in our culture. <laughs> 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 my parents wanted me to be a doctor. Um, okay. so I think I, I felt the least I could do was finish my college degree if I wasn't going to become a doctor. Um, so I do have a degree in anthropology and religion. Um, and yeah, I've been, you know, entrepreneurial since a very young age. Uh, I, started my very, very first business uh, when I was in Pakistan. Uh, I was seven years old and, you know, I was selling uh, holiday greeting cards. Um, you know, like I had a stall, like, you know, my my mother and my grandmother uh, helped me set that up. Um, and, you know, for a seven-year-old, that was that was quite profitable. And, you know, yeah. So, so yeah, ever, ever since then, uh, seven, eight, nine, always have figured out ways to arbitrage various things. Um, and when I moved to U.S., uh, that kind of delved into the online world. Mm-hmm. 
And where did this entrepreneurial spirit come from? Where, where Did you have aunts or uncles or parents that were very entrepreneurial or was it just innate within you? Um, you know, nobody in my family had a business. Um, we were, I would say, lower middle class at best um, in Pakistan. Um, so I, I knew that money was tight right, growing up. I knew, I knew that. Um, and I wanted to figure out ways how I could make it. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, if I'm giving money to a store person, then clearly they're making money. So what if I was the store person that people were giving money to? Um, and I think that that's sort of how it started. Mm -hmm. That's great. So you were in the U S in Florida and when did you get exposed to the world of WordPress and, and start using that as a tool? Um, so I discovered WordPress in 2006. Um, prior, prior to that, you know, I had learned how to build websites on, uh, HTML. Uh, well, it started with like, you know, front page and Dreamweaver. Um, I built my very first website when I was in Pakistan, actually on GeoCities, um, and AngelFire. But then, you know, when I came to the U S, uh, I, I had learned a little bit of coding and, I could make up HTML websites and that's what I was doing, uh, for, for, for a bit, um, along with any odd jobs that I could find on the internet. You know, there was no fiber at the time. There was no Upwork at that time, but there were forums, um, online forums where people would post, Hey, I need this done or I need that done. Um, and I would try to find whatever I could to, um, to, you know, make some extra, uh, side money when I, while I was in high school. And, uh, I discovered WordPress because, the world of SEO was shifting towards uh, dynamic content um, and, you know, HTML sites had to be updated. If you remember, you know, like index.2 and page-2 all had to be manually created if you weren't doing that before. And I had built some PHP CMS, um, very bare bone, if you can even call it a CMS, that, that would make it automatic pagination. So I discovered WordPress and it, it did a lot of those things. And I was like, this is a pretty nice tool. Um, and I, I used that for, started using that for small websites and really dug deep in that. Mm -hmm. So were you self-taught on building yeah, on websites? Okay. I was taught by Google. <laughs> well done, Google. <laughs> and so you were, if you said 2003, so you were about 15 years old when you first uh, started using WordPress? I think I had turned 16 already. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, so... And, and then what was next in your journey to building Awesome Motive? Um, so Awesome Motive didn't actually start at, at that time. Um, I was still like a solopreneur, if you may, freelancer. Um, I was dabbling in a lot of different areas on the internet from social media, consulting at that time, um, affiliate websites. I had many of them where I was doing a little bit of PPC affiliates, um, lead gen affiliate game. Um, I was building websites for clients and customers and small businesses and also started getting some larger clients um, as well. So, so that's, that, that, that's what was happening. And I had a small agency. Um, and, and, but it wasn't, it wasn't like any formal, if you may, like a incorporation, uh, an awesome mode. It wasn't it. Um, so I, I, I dabbled around all these, uh, you know, spaces. I, I had power user profile on dig.com back when dig was popular, stumble upon, uh, and so on. So I could like, you know, 
send clients anywhere from 80,000 to a quarter million unique page views a day, <laughs> you know, by just get, by promoting them on these, uh, on these platforms. So that was, that was a pretty good gig. Um, and, and yeah, so anyways, and uh, simultaneously because of the traffic that I could bring, uh, companies wanted to hire me and my team to build them websites. And, uh, some of them were on custom CMSs that I had built customized others we were putting on WordPress. And I realized that uh, the WordPress training world was lacking. Um, so I launched uh, WP Beginner in 2009 because up until that point, every site that I found uh, on WordPress was by developers for developers. And vast majority of the people that were using WordPress were not developers, right? They were users. Um, some you can call web pros. That's the term these days. But uh I would say, you know, hackers, uh, assemblers, um, people who can find the right tool, right theme, right plugin, and put it all together. Um, sometimes it's it's the nephew of a business owner or niece of a business owner. Sometimes it's an office assistant who just inherited and became the web person for the company. So that was like a you know, a, I would say a pretty large user base of WordPress that nobody was creating content for, nobody was creating resources for, and they were struggling um, and. That's how WP Beginner was born. Did you monetize WP Beginner? Or were you just building an audience by providing great free content? So I've, you know, I've, I've been blogging prior to that. I had been an affiliate world prior to that. So my rule is to always monetize from day one. Um, and WP Beginner was monetized from day one. Um, now, you know, keep in mind that uh, early on of the history of WP Beginner was all the content was created for, for our clients. Uh, it was like a bunch of how-to instead of, you know, making PDF, which other agencies that would talk to other agencies and what they had was they had PDF guides that they would send to clients. And then anytime WordPress would update, then they would have to go update all those PDF guides and they have to send a new one over to clients. And I'm like, what if it was just a blog and you just go and update the blog post. So you never have to resend a, a new guide to a client. They have the same URL. A lot of the guides were for us, um, but also, you know, affiliate marketing was part of it. Um, there were some banner ads uh, that I was selling through Bicel ads, and uh, you know, Bicel ads was was an awesome platform um, that a lot of publish, publishing sites were using. Um, so no, it was it was monetized from day one. And how did you monetize it? Was it through affiliate or was it through um, advertising? Um, yeah, it was all of the above. So there was a services thing. You could you could hire us to build your website. So it was it was bringing. Um, yeah, we were still, we were still doing, you know, high, high insights there. Um, we were, there, there were banner ads, right? So you could buy banner ads, um, through buy, sell ads. Uh, I think in the, in the very like couple, first couple of months, I did use Google AdSense on the website as well. Um, but a lot of affiliate links, right? So companies that wanted the customers and we had those customers, affiliate links were a um, big part of the strategy. Right. And what led you to then starting Awesome Motive? I mean, how many years after WP Beginner did you start that? And and you you never sold WP Beginner, right? Still part of the Awesome Motive no. brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think what happened is that I I was like venturing in and starting other other projects um, after launching WP Beginner where I was getting um, offers to take partial ownership of businesses, et cetera. And um, 
I felt it might have been a good idea to just make a company called Awesome Motive, a company incorporated, which becomes like a hold co, right? A holding company of some sort. So it makes it easier for me to just like do all the different ventures and run it through one entity, right? Um, from, a, from a legal point of view, from a tax point of view at the time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so in 2011 is when I incorporated um, Awesome Motive Inc., um, to, to serve that purpose around, you know, in that year I also launched a blog called list 25, which I have since sold. I was still in college. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that was a huge YouTube success, you know, north of two point some million subscribers, half a billion video views and so on. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's the kind of journey of awesome motive that we had so many different high traffic sites that I owned and, or partially owned or was helping, um, that I got to see behind the scenes of scalability issues, um, around a WordPress earlier plugins, right? I mean, now most of the big plugins are very well coded, um, and will scale with the traffic, but in the earlier days, that wasn't the case. So we'd have to make a lot of tweaks and so on. Um, and that led to one thing led to another. And um, I found myself building a plugin company. Mm -hmm. And your growth strategy seems to be largely through acquisition though, right? At, with Awesome Motive? I mean, um, now one can make, uh, make a case and uh, around that thesis or <laughs> the opinion. But um, you know, we built Optin Monster from the ground up. Optin Monster was built as a plugin for our own website because I felt that most of the website users were leaving and not converting in subscribers. Everything else that existed at the time just wouldn't scale at our level of traffic. So we built Optin Monster, um, and I mean, it's it's a flagship brand. It's huge. Um, millions of sites using it. We're serving billions and billions of impressions um, on every month. Uh, so, so we built that product. Um, we at in 2014, I partnered with Thomas Griffin, um, who was my co-founder in Optin Monster, and uh, I essentially ended up acquiring his two other plugins uh, or partnering with him in those, merging those, Soliloquy and Enviro Gallery. One was a slider plugin, one was a gallery plugin, um, which we exited, by the way, in 2017 as we focused more on the growth tools. But these, these you know, provided us the foundation, and these were built from the ground up. We built WP Forms from the ground up in 2016. We built a form builder because all of our users were asking us to build something that was beginner friendly. And now it's you know six years old and is running on over 5 million websites, which is pretty awesome. Um, but we really didn't do, if you think about acquisitions, I mean, if you, I guess we can call Soliloquy and Vira Gallery an acquisition uh, and maybe Theme Lab an acquisition, which we shut down after a while. We had a theme company. But um, our first acquisition on a plugin world uh proper one was monster insights in 2016 okay um and and then like since then we we have been you know we, we have grown a lot through acquisitions and we would acquire something that that we like that we see a lot of synergy between um you know what our users want and what the plugin already offers um and then we will see what it doesn't do that our users are looking for it to do. And, um, and we'll just acquire the plugin and improve the plugin to add the solutions and features and capabilities that uh, small business owners, our users, beginners are looking for. Um, and that's what we've been doing. That's amazing. And how many plugin companies have you acquired over time? Um, 
Well, we have over 30 different brands. Um, that's, 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 I think that's, that's the easier way to say it because some of our um, acquisitions might um, come with multiple plugins. So it's hard to say. I don't even remember how many companies we acquired. I know how many brands we have uh, under our umbrella. For example, just last year, um, we acquired assets from Sandhills Development, um, which, which included easy to deal downloads, affiliate WP, WP Simple Pay, Sugar Calendar, and a myriad of other um, free plugins. I think one of the more popular ones is the Transients Manager plugin. But so that was technically one acquisition that brought in multiple brands under the umbrella, right? Um, so, so yeah, so, so when, when we're doing these investments and acquisitions, um, I think of it in terms of brands and not in terms of uh, deals. The tools underneath the brand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you look at? What do you analyze when you're in the process of, of acquiring a company? What are some criteria that you have before starting the process even? Um, generally, we have a pretty clear idea on what spaces we are looking to get into. Um, primarily, it's driven by our user's feedback, right? Um, people are telling us, hey, we would love for you to add this feature or we would love for you to build this plugin. Um, and this feedback is coming to us through all of our surveys. Each of our brands are doing surveys and it's asking us, what is the one feature you would like us to add and so on. And sometimes it makes sense to add whatever feature request is into an existing product. And other times it does not, right? And it, because we want to make sure our products are really good at one thing that it does, right? We don't want to build a kitchen sink plugin that does 18 unrelated things all in one because then we would be not good at any one of them, um, right? So we, we really like specializing and doing one thing really, really, really well. So, so our first and foremost thing is, is this in our list of desired plugins to acquire or desired categories to go into based on what our, what our users are saying? Um, every single um, acquisition or investment that we have made has been um, user feedback driven. Okay. And do you typically maintain the, the employees at the company of the companies you acquire? Yes, absolutely. Um, so all the team members, you know, switch over and join Automotive. Um, sometimes the founders do too. Uh, so, you know, what, what we found is, you know, acquisition is, is hard in, in a space that's like new, like WordPress. Sometimes the founders are just looking for a clean exit and, you know, they want to move on. Um, they might have been doing this thing for eight, nine, 10 years, and they're looking for the next chapter of their life. Um, and they want to exit on a founder-friendly terms with no crazy earnouts. They want to make sure that their baby, the business that they've built, the product that they've built, the community that they've built will be served by, um, you know, somebody with a long-term view and is, a, you know, somebody who's respected in the industry. Um, and that's one of the big reasons why founders prefer to exit to us, um, instead of, you know, going to some private equity back, you know, a company or, or sleazy venture capital firm, because they don't really offer founder friendly deals. Um, in other cases, the founders stay on with us because they were just looking to partner with an experienced group of entrepreneurs, um, to help grow their business. You know, somebody, uh, a, a place maybe where they can off offload some of the back office tasks they don't enjoy. Um, maybe some, a place they can join and have complementary skills. So maybe somebody's really good at product, but they're not really strong at marketing and so on. And they will join forces with us. And that has happened 
numerous times. For example, in uh, 2020, uh, Smash Balloon joined Automotive, and that's a collection of the most popular social feeds plugin for WordPress. Um, and John Brackett was the uh, founder of Smash Balloon, and he joined Automotive. Um, and he's, he's a partner and he continues to run this Mac Balloon division. Every single person uh, that was in this Mac Balloon team joined Automotive. And now the team has grown um, more than 3X or 4X um, uh, over the last few years. So there's a lot more resources uh, on Smash Balloon business unit now, and they're absolutely crushing it. Mm, that's great. How would you define the culture within Automotive, especially having such a large distributed team and also, you know, acquiring other teams? I would also love to hear as like a part two to that question of how you um, how you bring the Automotive culture into the new companies that you're acquiring. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. So at Automotive, while we may look um, pretty big from outside, right? Over 20 million websites are using our software now. Um, internally, the way to think about it is we're a group of small teams that are working towards a single mission. Um, when we're looking at a business, usually WordPress community and the culture is awesome, right? All, all the founders that are running businesses in WordPress have shared beliefs that we are all committed to empowering people to succeed. We're all committed to generally helping the small businesses uh, grow and compete with the big guys. So when we're doing an acquisition um, or investment, the vision tends to align very closely. Uh, so the transition doesn't, it's, it's not too big. Um, when, uh, when a new team is joining Automotive, generally they're getting more benefits, um, which is always a good thing. Um, they, there's more uh infrastructure, if you may, more organizational frameworks, if you may. So it really helps speed up the workflows. Um, you know, and our core values uh, are something that, that's really hard to disagree with, right? Um, you know, we put we put people first always. You know, our goal is to always do the right thing every time. Um, we fight for our customer success. Uh, we commit to excellence by paying attention to details. And last but not least, we labor for simplicity because uh, making things simple is hard. Labor is hard, and that's so. We really only have five values, uh, if you think about that. Um, so it's not so hard to get a buy-in um, from the team that's joining in. Um, vast majority of the time, uh, teams stay, um, but even after years after the acquisition, like I said, um, when we acquired Smash Balloon, the entire team is there. The team, the you know, the core team is still there. Um, no attrition. We you know, nearly three to four X the team size. Um, same thing with all the one SEO, the core team is still there. The team has grown like, you know, three X, four X since our acquisition. So, you know, but there, there are times, some, sometimes people are like, well, you know, this is not what I'm looking for. And mm -hmm. but that's a small percentage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what is your day-to-day -day like Syed with owning again, you know, with owning so many different brands, I could see it being very extremely busy and chaotic, but you, every time we connect, you're so relaxed. And <laughs> so, so yeah, share a little bit about your day to day if you can. Yeah. Um, so like I said, our internally awesome motive is operated as a group of small teams and each one, and they're product teams. We don't have shared resources. So let's say 
So a developer that's working on Optin Monster will 100% of the time will only work on Optin Monster. They're not going to switch over and start working on WP Forms next day. And I think this is a winning strategy for us. So each team is has a clear leader. Um, you know, in WP Forms, for example, it is uh, Jared Atchison, who is the co-founder of WP Forms. He's leading that brand and there's, you know, 40 plus people that are, you know, reporting to him. So he leads that business unit entirely. And every single business unit that exists in Awesome Motive is being led um, by a very capable um, person and leader. And generally, uh, they handle all day-to-day operations of those businesses. And my role now is of, of a mentor advisor um, and looking at the bigger picture of the business. You know, but at times, if I have to get my hands dirty and dive deep in it with a specific business unit, that happens all the time. Um, and I'm, you know, I enjoy that. So my day-to-day nowadays is more of uh, talking with each one of the, you know, product leads, um, making sure that I'm communicating any any of the new insights and learnings that I'm seeing um, and really helping develop leaders. Mm-hmm. And where where do you get your inspiration from? And do you ever feel kind of stuck in, in your own growth strategy or maybe in one of the the brands underneath you in terms of how to move forward? So I get I read a lot um, about the struggles that users are having with WordPress. You know, we have an amazing community around WP Beginner. Our Facebook group is over 80,000 uh, members. The WP Beginner Engage group on Facebook is free to join. Um, and while I'm not actively commenting on those, our teams are, I'm actively reading the struggles that people are having there. People are having on WordPress.org forums. I, I truly believe that, um, you cannot build a product to solve a problem that you don't understand. Um, and for me, understanding the problems that we're trying to solve and who we're trying to solve it for, um, it gives us an advantage um, and that really fuels my motivation because the mission of Awesome Motive is my personal mission in life is to level the playing field, you know, empowering people to succeed in any area that they want to succeed in. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, a small group of, of um, advisors in your world that you go to before you make any big moves or have you pretty much dialed in your, your own decision-making process and strategic process? One of the luxuries of uh, of being a bootstrap business, which we are, awesome motive with a bootstrap business, is that I feel I don't have to answer to any board of advisors or investors, right? Um, which means that our decisions are always aligned um, to serve our customers and our team. Um, they're always my number one priority um, in in terms of making big decisions. Um, I will, of course, consult with the co-founders of the respective brands. Um, generally, you know, we have a pretty clear vision on what we're building, who we are, and more importantly, who we are not, right? And I think when you know who you are and who you are not, it, it makes it very easy to say no to a lot of things that doesn't align with your values and um, makes it easy to say yes to things that do. Um I don't have a formal board of advisors. I do have a lot of um, friends um, that I've been lucky to, you know, have made fostered those relationships over the years. And um, these people are extremely successful uh, entrepreneurs. Um, most of them are older than me, um, many years ahead of me. 
Um, so, you know, if I ever need to, you know, consult with one of them and, you know, seek their counsel, um, have, you know, just go for a lunch, uh, hop on a quick call and say, Hey, uh, struggling with this issue. Um, how have you navigated this in the past? And, um, or here's an idea that I have, what am I, what are the blinders? What are my blind spots? What am I missing? And, um, and yeah, if you have good friends, they're happy to share any insights with you. And I think I've been blessed over the years to um, have fostered those relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Those are very helpful to have good a good network. Y- you have mentioned um, a few times now that a lot of your growth is due to the audiences that you've been able to cultivate, right? And also plugins tend to be a smaller price point, right? So really you have to do quite large volume to become profitable and extremely profitable. So what's, what's your, I'd say, you know, your secret sauce to building audiences and building community? I, I think, think it's a big uh, challenge for people starting out. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think that's a big challenge. Um, we were lucky to have an early start. We were one of the earlier folks in the space. Um, so there is that advantage. But I think um, the word of mouth is, plays a big role. Right. Uh, when you when you build a good product um, and you put people first and you, you know, you're, you're, you really understand the problems you're solving. You know, it's one thing anybody can develop anything in theory. Right. If you can write code, you can develop anything. Doesn't mean that you're going to make it good. Right. So if you understand the problem and you understand who you're serving, then the solution that you're going to create is going to it will be night and day difference than just any anybody who can write code. And I think when you look at automotive products, um, I mean, they're like when, when we enter a space, generally a half a dozen to a dozen new companies will be formed to try to enter that same vertical. And what you will notice in an automotive plugin compared to any other plugin or product, um, it, the, the difference is clearly visible from uh, that we, we are practitioners building products, right? When we're, when we build all the one SEO and acquired all the one SEO and completely revamped it, um, that's because we're practitioners. We're building that for us um, first. And um, so that means the problems that we're solving are, are going to be automatically way more proactive and market leading versus any other plugin. All they all what they, you know, they would do is just copy, you know, what was happening across the board. So we're, I think that's our secret sauce, right? We understand the problems that we're solving better um, because a lot of times we're facing them in our own businesses because we're practitioners. Um, we talk to our customers more, more so than uh, most companies would in terms of uh, collecting feedback and, and uh, you know, get, gathering insights. And uh, then we build better solutions. And uh, when you do that and you have that combination of things happening for a long period of time, it's not like one thing or another thing that we did that drastically gave us an advantage. Um, what happened is that uh, we've been doing this for you know over a decade. And, uh, and you do something well over a decade compounding, um, it starts to look like that, uh, that there's some secret sauce. And it's not. I think that it would just be consistency. That's the secret sauce. Be consistently good at something um, makes you look like you might be great at something, but we're only consistently good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a compounding reputation factor too, right? Do do you invest anything in paid marketing to grow any of the brands? Yeah, we we do have a PPC team um, that does a, does a great job um, in 
been acquiring users through uh, Google search um, ads and Bing ads and or have retargeting campaigns going in. You know, I'm, I may not be involved in every day-to-day decision. Actually, I'm not involved in most day-to-day decisions, but I, I, I am aware that we have, a, we have a PPC team as part of a growth, growth strategy. And, and yeah. That's great. What are you seeing from a, a trend perspective? And I use the word trend loosely because I, I'm personally not a fan of trends, but what, because they are, they're not there for very long. But what are you seeing in terms of the direction of the WordPress world, websites in general, and uh, and the use of plugins? Um, I think uh, more plugins are focusing on onboarding. Uh, WordPress itself has done a phenomenal job with the block editor. Um, WordPress has gotten a lot easier to use for beginners. I see... Um, more and more people will be utilizing blocks um, as as the way to build websites. And that's the trend, if you may want to use the word loosely of where things are going. A lot of things are moving towards no code. So, um, you know, we'll see a lot more solutions offering previously what had to be done using a query class or another function that was buried in somewhere in the developer handbook. Um, there will be a user interface for it. Um, WordPress core would not do that, right? Because that's not that doesn't align with the core um, philosophies. But plugin authors would go about and do that. I mean, and many have. If you if you look at um, like custom post types UI, right? Essentially, took a code thing, brought a UI to it. Um, but if you look at formidable forms. Right. And formidable forms allows you to do so much more. Like you can take the data input from one form and display it in, in a form of in a table sorted. You can use the in, input coming from here to make a directory or or calculators and all sorts of things um, have you know happening no code. I think that's uh anybody that's gonna do no code is I, I believe that's gonna be the trend um, for WordPress. I mean, we we launched Seedprod as a no code theme builder. Um, that actually is fast. Um, a lot of uh, existing builders, I felt, were while they would let you make websites drag and drop, the experience was a little clunky, and they were, it was just bloated code, bloated code, um, and slow. So I think with Google's uh, emphasis on speed, and you know, users want faster websites, we uh, turned Seedprod into a uh, full-blown website builder, drag and drop, um, that uses WordPress as a core. Um, and you can use it to build custom themes. And I think more, I will see more, more of that happening, right? More no-code solutions um, being built. Like WB Forms is a no-code form builder, right? Um, and MemberPress is a no-code course creation software. So we'll, we'll, we'll see a lot more of the no-code trend um, happening in, in WordPress and more and more solutions being built to target the niche use cases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's great for people that are turning to tools, say like Wix or, or Squarespace, right? Because it'll give them, I think, just a more dynamic platform, right? If they can start using WordPress from the get-go versus some of those Absolutely. solutions. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's great for the individual DIY user but it's also great for agencies and developers who previously, because ultimately, you know, if they if they can do something in less time, that means they can do more of it, right? So um, a lot of designers and developers currently uh, may utilize Webflow at times instead of WordPress. And um, 
and now with us launching Seedprod um, to, to give organizations, agencies, designers that flexibility um, to make websites that are, that are fast and while still utilizing the full power of WordPress, um, that is, uh, that, that's really awesome. Um, so I think we're just going to see more of that. Like, you know, instead of somebody trying to, um, say, Hey, I don't want to use Shopify because of all these additional fees. I don't want to go to click funnels because it has, you know, its own restrictions in many ways. Um, you could use something like WooFunnels with WooCommerce and still do your, um, order bumps and one click upsells and, and a full profitable sales funnel with automation. Uh, I mean, you know, if, if, if you think about it, like eight, eight years ago, not you couldn't even, 10 years ago, you couldn't even think about something like that. And now there are amazing solutions like WooFunnels that exist. So uh, th these niche solutions are being built and, um, and they are going to, um, you know, serve specific use cases to continue to make sure that the, the pie of WordPress grows and WordPress mm -hmm. is now powering what 43, over 43% web, mm -hmm. websites. And I mm -hmm. imagine um, in the next couple of years, it will be over 50%. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on. I mean, the growth has just been amazing, especially in the last couple of years. Would love to uh, to take a little dive into you, the the person. How do you think people would describe your personal brand within the company? Oh, that's <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, so I have done very little around my personal brand. Um, you know, more more. Nowadays, like I, I'm very, very behind the scenes. Um, I think I write like one one blog post a year on my personal blog. Um, so, so yeah, so that the outward personal brand isn't there um, intentionally, but uh, you know, internally, I think uh, people would think of me as uh, somebody who thinks in systems and models. Um, I still enjoy what I do, and I still work very, very hard. Um, people say, well, you know, you must not have to work at all anymore. Like, no, I think I work harder <laughs> now than, than, than I, than I probably did 10 years ago. Um, but I like to think that I work a little bit smarter now than I did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have, um, a, some personal interests, right? You started a foundation with your wife. Yes. Um, so we have a bulky foundation and, uh, and our goal is to, um, fight in, you know, inequity through education. Um, because we believe that, you know, education is the key to leveling the playing field. Both my wife and I, Amanda and I are, uh, you know, we came from very humble beginnings. Our, our family is not very well off and we both were able to, uh, get college education and get good education, through scholarships, courtesy of scholarships, we, you know, and we didn't, we, otherwise we would not be able to, like our parents wouldn't be able to afford to send us to, um, University of Florida, which both of us attended. Um, so the goal of Balky Foundation is to, um, is to, you know, kind of give back, um, to, to the students who are in need, um, it's, it's, it's a need plus merit-based scholarship. So, so these kids are generally, kids like me and Amanda, right. Who are, who are really, really smart, um, who are work, who work hard, um, and have proven themselves academically, um, extracurricularly. Um, but also they, they have a need. Um, and 
we are in the fourth year of our of our cohort. So our first cohort is going to be um, graduating um, and getting their bachelor's, which is which is really awesome. And we have kids in um, Princeton and uh, you know Columbia and many many, many other schools um, all across the U.S. Um, and and that's really awesome. And now you know the the I guess the fourth years uh, I you know they may call them seniors uh, are talking because we have a Facebook group of of of, uh, of our foundation alumni. Nobody's an alumni yet, but you know the people that are in, um, and they we have two people going to the same college and they're connecting each other. The, the somebody who's more experienced giving advice to the younger one, mentoring them. So that's really awesome to see that 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 um, the pay it forward mentality and, and the values are are instilled in um, the recipients of our scholarships. Um, you know, Balki Foundation has focused primarily in, in the US uh, when it comes to scholarships, but we've also funded um, schools overseas um, and other countries in partnerships with uh, foundations like uh, Pencils of Promise. Um, and through which we, we sponsored schools in Guatemala because one of our uh, high school friends, she's from Guatemala and we've been to Guatemala numerous times. Um, we have uh, also worked with a Cambodian village fund, Bill and Nancy, they're running an amazing operations there. And uh, you know, I think we built, uh, sponsored two different schools and, and there um, also students. Um, and those are all uh, primary um, schools. And, and it's, it's awesome to be able to, you know, support the organizations that are doing good work because we are, we know ourselves that we're, we're a small family foundation, right? So we, we don't have the operational um, capability to go and, and do that. So we, we would select um, foundations like Bill and Nancy, like Bill and Nancy's Cambodian Village Fund or our Pencil of Promise and others uh, where we would contribute. Mm-hmm. No, oh, that's that's a great way to uh, to put your dollars into a ripple effect, right? And and magnify growth. Yep. Uh, you have uh, is it two young children at home now? No, I have one. Uh, oh, we, one. We, okay. Yeah, his name is Solomon, and Solomon is now five years old, and uh, yeah, so he's, he's he's the center of our life. Uh, you know, we spend quite a bit of time with him. That's great. And how do you balance work, work, and personal life, or is it all integrated? It's, it's pretty integrated. You know, I work from home. Um, you know, we're a fully remote team, 42 different countries where we have team members now, which is pretty cool uh, to think about. Um, so, yeah, I work from home. You know, I when, when I have breaks, I'll go out and, you know, see what he's doing, hang out with him, you know, have in the morning, hang out. And, you know, I generally wrap up work around um, 4.35 and then we'll hang out with him, have dinner together and so on. Um, you know, we spend a ton of time, um, over the weekend outside, you know, we have a great backyard, um, living in Florida, you know, and it, it, the land, land is a little cheaper in Florida than other places in the country. Um, so we have, we have a, we have a good backyard where we can, uh, you know, run around, uh, we have two dogs. So, you know, they're running around and we're all having a good time. It sounds like a fun place to be your backyard. <laughs> yes. Any final tips you have for budding entrepreneurs, especially those getting into the online space? You know, I think if there's uh, one thing that I, I could share from, from my story is, is that uh, 
persistence is a great substitute for talent, right? Um, I feel I'm quite average when it comes to talent in most uh, most areas. I'm, I'm really good at like some areas, but I'm probably average across the board. Um, like my brother, both of my younger brothers are really, really good at um, certain things in areas where I would say I lack talent, but um, but I do work harder um, at just by everything i don't give up and i am i'm okay with delayed gratification i don't need an instant gratification so i think persistence is a good substitute for talent and and uh you know if you do something consistently for a long period of time you'll be surprised what compounding can do i mean einstein said a compounding is the eighth wonder of the world right and um there's a good reason for that so you know because i i say consistency greater than intensity and if you're consistently good for a long period of time, um, eventually some may say that you're doing great things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree, a hundred percent agree. Persistence does pay off, especially. Where Where's the best place for people to learn more about you? I know you have the um, awesomemotive.com website, right? Yeah. And then on a personal front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, if you wanna check out what we're doing, you can always look at awesomemotive.com. Um, you can go to my personal blog, syedbalki.com, although I only write once a year, <laughs> which is my year in review. Or you, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. I, I, I do tweet um, multiple, sometimes multiple times a day, sometimes only one, once or twice. Um, so yeah, and there you'll see a lot more updates than my personal blog or anywhere else. When does that personal blog come out? Is it December, January? Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's generally the first week of January, sometimes it'll be the second, but that's it's once a year. And if you, if you join the newsletter, you'll get that email. Great. Thanks so much for your time today, Said. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Rachel. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the business of you. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.